Chapter Ten of Marjorie Dean, High School Sophomore, by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter Ten: The Valley of Misunderstanding. For a brief instant, Marjorie continued to stare after the retreating form of her chum, oblivious to the steady stream of girls passing by her. Then, seized with a sudden idea, she slipped into her seat and hastily consulted the bulletin board. The ringing of the third bell found her hurrying from the aisle toward the door. That brief survey of the schedule had resulted in an entire change of her programme. She had decided to recite geometry in the morning section. It meant giving up the cherished last hour in the afternoon, which she had reserved for study. She would have to recite Latin at that time. Well, that did not matter so much. Reciting geometry in the same section with Mary was what counted. She had experienced a curious feeling of alarm as she had watched Mary and Mignon LaSalle disappear through the big doorway side by side. Mignon was the last person she had supposed Mary would meet. To be sure, there was nothing particularly alarming in their meeting. As yet, they were comparative strangers to each other. She had noted that Miss Merton had assigned the French girl to the seat in front of Mary. It was, therefore, quite probable that Mary had inquired the way to the geometry classroom and Mignon had volunteered to conduct her to it. Marjorie's sober face lightened a little as she hastened down the corridor to the geometry room. Miss Nelson, the instructor in mathematics, was on the point of closing the door as she hurriedly approached. She smiled as she saw the pretty sophomore and continued to hold the door open until Marjorie had crossed the threshold. The latter gave an eager glance about the room. The classrooms were provided with rows of single decks similar to those in the study hall. Mary was occupying one of them well toward the front of the room. Directly ahead of her sat the French girl. On one of the back seats was Jerry Macy, glaring in her most savage manner, her angry eyes fixed on the black, curly head of the girl she despised. There was no vacant seat near Mary. Marjorie noted all these facts in that one comprehensive glance. It also seemed to her that the French girl's face wore an expression of mocking triumph. And was it her imagination, or had Mary glanced up as she entered and then turned away her eyes? What did it all mean? Marjorie took the nearest vacant seat at hand, the prey of many emotions. Then, as Miss Nelson stepped forward to address the class, she resolutely put away all personal matters and, with the fine attention to the business of study which had endeared her to her various teachers during her freshman year, she strove to centre her troubled mind on what Miss Nelson was saying. After a short preliminary talk on the importance of the study the class was about to begin, Miss Nelson proceeded to the business of registering her pupils and giving out the textbooks. Miss Nelson laid particular stress on the thorough learning of all definitions pertaining to the study in hand. You must know these definitions so well that you could say them backward if I requested it, 
she emphasised. They will be of great importance in your work to come. Then she heartlessly gave out several pages of them for the advanced lesson. The rest of the period she spent in going over and explaining these same definitions in her usual thorough manner, ending with the stern injunction that she expected a letter-perfect recitation on the following morning. "'Miss Nelson doesn't want much,' grumbled Jerry Macy in Irma Linton's ear as they filed out of class at the ringing of the bell which ended the period. Then, before Irma had time to reply, she continued, "'What do you think of Mignon? Isn't it a shame she is back again? And did you see her march in here with Mary Raymond? It's a pretty sure thing that neither of them knows who is who in Sanford. I suppose Mary, poor innocent, asked her the way to the classroom. Where was Marjorie all that time, I wonder?' "'I'll bet you a box of hylas that they won't walk into geometry again tomorrow morning. "'Hurry up. There's Marjorie just ahead of us with Mary now. "'The fair mignon has vanished. I can see a way ahead of them. "'I guess Marjorie didn't know who piloted Mary into class. "'She came in last, you know.' "'Irma laid a detaining hand on Jerry's arm. "'Oh, wait until after school, Jerry.' she counselled. This quiet, unobtrusive girl was a keen observer. She had noted Marjorie's half-troubled expression as she entered the room. The suspicion that Marjorie knew and was not pleased had already come to her. All right, I will. Wish school was out now. Those geometry definitions make me tired. I'm worn out already, and school hasn't fairly begun yet. I hate mathematics wouldn't look at a geometry if I could graduate without it. But while Jerry was anathematizing mathematics, Marjorie was saying earnestly to Mary, whom she had joined at the door, I'm so sorry I didn't come back to your seat in the study hall before the first bell rang. I really ought to have asked permission to do so, but I was afraid Miss Merton would say no. She never loses a chance to be horrid to me. "'When you said you were going to recite in this section, "'I hurried and changed my programme to make things come right for us.' "'Marjorie's earnest little speech, so full of apparent goodwill, "'brought a quick flush of contrition to Mary's cheeks. "'She experienced a swift spasm of regret "'for her bitter suspicion of Marjorie. "'Her tense face softened. Why not unburden herself to her chum now and find relief from her torture of doubt? Marjorie, she began, laying her hand lightly on her friend's arm. I wish you would tell me something. Miss LaSalle and that Constance Stevens. Mary, Marjorie's sunny face had suddenly grown very stern. I am sorry to have to speak harshly of any girl in Sanford High. "'But as your chum, I feel it my duty to ask you to have nothing to do with Mignon LaSalle, "'or pay the slightest attention to her. "'She made us all very unhappy last year, particularly Constance and myself. "'I can't help saying it, but I am sorry that she has come back to Sanford. "'I understood that she was at boarding school. "'I am sure I wish she had stayed there.' Marjorie spoke with a bitterness quite foreign to her generous nature. 
Mary's lips tightened obstinately as she listened. Her brief impulse toward a frank understanding died with Marjorie's emphatic utterance. She was inwardly furious at her chum's sharp interruption. I am very well aware that you would stand up for Miss Stevens, whether she were in the right or in the wrong, she said with cold sarcasm. I've been seeing that ever since I came to Sanford. But just because she is perfect in your eyes is not reason why I should think so. For my part, I like Miss LaSalle. She was awfully sweet to me this morning, and I don't think it is nice in you to talk about her behind her back. In the intensity of the moment, both girls had stopped short in the corridor, oblivious of the passing students. Mary's flashing blue eyes fixed Marjorie's amazed brown ones in an angry gaze. "'Why, Mary,' stammered Marjorie, "'what is the matter? I don't understand you.' Her bewilderment served only to increase the rancour that had been smouldering in Mary's heart. Now it burst forth in a fury of words. "'Don't pretend, Marjorie Dean.' You know perfectly well what I mean. It isn't necessary for me to tell you either. When I came to Sanford to live with you, I thought I'd be the happiest girl in the world because I was going to live at your house and go to school with you. If I had known as much when Father and I came to see you as I know now, well, I wouldn't ever have come back again. Her anger-choked tones faltered. She turned away her head. Then pulling herself sharply together, she turned and hurried down the corridor. For a second, Marjorie stood rooted to the spot. Could she believe her ears? Was it really Mary, her soldier chum, with whom she had stood shoulder to shoulder for so many years, who had thus arraigned her? Her instant of inaction passed, she darted down the corridor after Mary but the latter passed into the study hall before she could overtake her. She could do nothing now to straighten the tangle in which they had so suddenly become involved until the morning session of school was over. She glanced anxiously toward Mary's seat the moment she stepped across the threshold of the study hall, only to see her friend in earnest conversation with Mignon LaSalle. An angry little furrow settled on her usually placid brow. Mignon had lost no time in living up to her reputation. Mary must be rescued from her baleful influence at once. When they reached home that day, she would tell her chum the whole story of last year. Once Mary learned Mignon's true character, she would see matters in a different light. But what had the French girl said about Constance? if only she had held her peace and not interrupted Mary. Even as a little girl, Marjorie remembered how hard it had been, once Mary was angry, to discover the cause. In spite of her usual good nature, she was unyieldingly stubborn. When, at rare intervals, she became displeased or hurt over a fancied grievance, she would nurse her anger for days in sulky silence. I'll tell her about last year the minute we get into the house this noon, resolved Marjorie. When she knows how badly Mignon behaved toward Connie, the little girl drew a sharp breath of dismay. 
into her mind flashed her recent promise to Constance Stevens. She could tell Mary nothing until she had permission to do so. That meant that for the day, at least, she must remain mute, for Constance was not in school that morning, nor would she be in during that day. She had received special permission from Miss Archer to be excused from lessons while her foster father was at Grey Gables. It was a very sober little girl who wended her way to the French class, her next recitation. Out of an apparently clear sky, the miserable set of circumstances frowned upon her dawning sophomore year. But it must come right. She would go to Grey Gables that very afternoon and ask Constance to release her from her promise. Connie would surely be willing to do so when she knew all. Comforted by this thought, Marjorie brightened again. "'Bonjour, Mademoiselle Dean,' greeted the cheerful voice of Professor Fontaine as she entered his classroom. "'It is with a great pleasure that I see you again. Let us hope that you have not forgotten your French. I trust you have sometimes remembered La Belle Longue during your vacation.' The little man beamed delightedly upon Marjorie. I am afraid I have forgotten a great deal of it, Professor Fontaine. Marjorie spoke with the pretty deference that she always accorded this long-suffering professor whose strongly accented English and foreigner eccentricities made him the subject of many ill-timed jests on the part of his thoughtless pupils. I'm going to study hard, though, and it will soon come back to me. Ah! These are the words it makes happiness to hear, he returned amiably. Some day, when you have learned to speak the French as the English, you will be glad that you have persevered. I'm sure I shall, smiled Marjorie. Then, as several entering pupils claimed the little man's attention, she passed on and took a vacant seat at the back of the room. Professor Fontaine had begun to address the class when the door opened and Mignon LaSalle sauntered in. She threw a quick derisive glance at his back, which caused several girls to giggle, then strolled calmly to a seat. A shade of annoyance clouded the instructor's genial face. He eyed his countrywoman severely for an instant, then went on with his speech. Marjorie received little benefit that morning from the professor's gallant efforts to impress the importance of the study of his language on the minds of his class. Her thoughts were with Mary and what she had best say to conciliate her. She had as yet no inkling of the truth. She did not dream that jealousy of Constance had prompted Mary's outburst. She believed that the whole trouble lay in whatever Mignon had told Mary. She was more hurt than surprised when at the last period in the morning she failed to find Mary in the chemistry room. Of course she might have expected it. Nothing would be right until she had chased away the black clouds of misunderstanding that hung over them. Still, it grieved her to think that Mary had not trusted her enough to weigh her loyalty against the gossip of a stranger. The hands of the study hall clock, pointing the hour of twelve, brought relief to the worried sophomore. 
The instant the closing bell rang, she made for the locker room. It would be better to wait for Mary there, rather than in the corridor. If Mary's mood had not changed, she preferred not to run the risk of a possible rebuff in so prominent a place. There were too many curious eyes ready to note their slightest act. It would be dreadful if some lynx-eyed girl were to mark them and circulate a report that they were quarrelling. Arrived at the locker room, she opened her locker and took out her wraps. A faint gasp of astonishment broke from her. Only one raincoat, one hat and one pair of rubbers were there, where at the beginning of the morning there had been two. Mary Raymond's belongings were gone. End of chapter 10 Recording by Ashley Jane